0: Uh, when other people don't live up to it, right? And they're like, oh, well, it's just a bunch of mumbo jumbo. And it's like, well, you said, your words were, that this is just a way to pass along values that help societies function. Now, maybe it is the case that, that that you think you are smarter than all of those traditions and all of that. Fine. Okay, whatever. I don't think I am. But even still, I also happen to think that when you look across all of the things that I'm asked to do and expected to do, I see a lot more things where I go, man, we really got that one right. Isn't that crazy?
1: Welcome to another episode of Dear Dano. Today, I'm grateful to have Benjamin Pacini, who is a faculty member in the Department of Elementary, Early, and Special Education at BYU-Idaho. He studied economics at BYU before earning his graduate degree in education and administration from John Hopkins University. In his career, he has been a middle school math teacher and an assistant principal before joining the faculty at BYU-Idaho. First off, I think it'd be nice to know how... How do you pronounce your last name? I think I asked you this before. <laughs>
0: that's okay. Nobody can remember, so I don't, I don't mind a bit. My name is Benjamin Pacini, and that's with a, a hard CH sound, even though there's no CH in, in my name. Um, I like to joke that I'm an Italian snob, um, but in the original Italian, it would be Pacini. Um, oh, okay. So I, I say it that way. My my other members of my family call it
1: Puccini, but my preference is Puccini. Puccini. I mean, that's how I said it. So I'm glad that I, I got around that hurdle already. Um, you're good. You're set. But just to introduce you. So and I'm not
0: actually as picky as all of that. Like I don't actually get mad at people when they say the wrong. Sure, thing. sure. But if you're if you're asking, I appreciate it. And the way that I like to go about it is,
1: uh, um, the way I like to say it is Puccini. But sure. I'm, I'm super stressed about it. And you know I um. I know we, we we met briefly, and um, Benjamin is a professor at BYU-Idaho, in Rexburg, Idaho, in the teacher, teach, teacher education department.
0: Yeah, they actually just changed the name. We're now the elementary, early, and special education department. But that's a fancy way of saying I, I work with elementary education students.
1: Yeah, and that's wonderful. I mean, my grandma... Uh, my brother is actually a, a high school teacher now and my grandma was a third grade teacher and some other people in my family are teachers and so it's it's had kind of a unique place in, in my life. Um, I never got to go to my grandma's, uh, my brother got to, to be part of my grandma's uh, class but I didn't and I was a little jealous of that growing up um, but teaching has been a big part of our family so.
0: Oh, that's fantastic! I'm a big fan myself, so I can I can appreciate. That. Yeah,
1: and um, you host a podcast called Radical Civility, um, which I love the the short blurb on it: uh, Dialogue, Dignity, Donuts, except the donuts. Sorry, and it's just <laughs> great to add a little bit of humor <laughs> I it was into very your life.
0: When I came up with that, yes, exactly. You,
1: yes, yes, and um, I mean on that you talk a lot, obviously called Radical Civility, but just. Some of those conversations I've I really enjoyed, um, but just as by way of introducing Radical Civility a little bit, what are some of the conversations you've had as of recent?
0: No, it's a, it's a really good, I, I love the podcast. Um, I love getting to, to do it with some friends of mine. Um, the reason for the podcast is I feel like our political center has fallen apart. And I think that it's, the way that we get back to that is through deliberation and civility and kindness. Um, now it's worth noting that I am not always particularly civil. Um, right. I try really hard, uh, cause I don't like being a hypocrite, but I'm trying my best. is not the same as I am the example of this. We talk about anything that is related. We try to go to the pain points, right? So if there's something that is making people angry, we want to go to it and see if there's a way that we can leave it better. And I yeah. think most of the time we do a pretty good job. We, not everything, but most of the time, um, so we've had recent conversations about faith in the public square. We've talked about some of the things that um, people say about Utah that are actually not true at no. all. Um, one of the things that we've talked about uh, recently was abortion, which has become even more um, even more uh, relevant with some of the new court cases coming up. Um, and we talk about religion in the public square. And uh, I, I try and say that my editorial voice is informed by my membership in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Um, I don't think that it needs to be an LDS style podcast, but it's very hard for me to separate um, the values that I have um, and my religious background from what I'm doing publicly. Now, at the same time, that does not mean that I stand for the church or that my speech is um, reflective of the thoughts of either the church or the university or or anybody else. It's just me. Um, I think that there are a lot of... um, Right now, I see a lot of voices out there that are trying to be edgy and trying to take a a stance that's, you know, exciting and clickbaity. And I'm just not into any of that. That's not my goal. My goal is to be really thoughtful and understated. And it's it's a little depressing when you have a really good conversation with some dear friends of yours. And then, you know, no one can listen because it was a really good conversation with friends and you were agreeing and hearing each other. Um, But that's kind of the thing. And so it is a dragon. sorry my 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 two-year-old is next to me and he's found the, the markers in the paper and nice i think it's really important for people to realize like civility doesn't sell
1: and that's okay oh but yeah But that
0: doesn't mean that i'm not going to try to keep having conversations as best i can
1: you know it's very interesting and i wish i could pull this up to show you and let me see if i can find it really fast but um um there were, it's, it's, it's a little, it's a little meme or, um, some, some sort of illustration and I, I, won't be able to find it super quickly, but basically what it is, is there's two lines. There's one for, um, truths and then there's one for lies. And in the day and age that we live in, um, com- I think it's called comforting lies, uh, illustration. Let me just make oh, sure. I, I already love line. that. Yeah. Oh, here it is. I did find it. Yay. Um, so it says comforting lines, and the, uh, the um, line for that booth is completely full, and then unpleasant truths, uh, nobody's in that line. And I think in terms of the gospel, from what I've experienced so far, that people like to be comfortable. They don't like change. They don't like to have to change their speech or their thoughts or a lot of things because it's it's uncomfortable. And I had a conversation just yesterday with my sister who's actually studying psychology um, right now at BYU-Idaho. And we were talking about change. And I had a bad experience uh, a week ago, two weeks ago, where my I was driving and my car just suddenly decided to die. My engine uh, completely just went out. No RPMs. I could only go one mile an hour. And There's a few miracles that happened along the way of being basically 500 feet from a service center, but um, I was able to, a kid I had met two weeks before who was a mechanic or maybe a month before, I called him up and he said, you can fix this. I can walk you through it. So you don't have to pay 400 bucks. And at the end of it, I paid 50 bucks, but it was quite a journey, a four-hour journey for me. And I I just, as I was driving, I, I felt pretty calm with it, which is very interesting for me as of late, being calm in a situation like that, but I was. And in the process, I, I thought to myself, I wonder if what we need to do in our lives is expose ourselves to more change, like, willingly. And in the process of of doing that, um, maybe what we do is we, once real change, like unexpected change comes, we're, we're prepared for it. And, and that so... I just like that meme a lot.
0: No, I think it, I think it's fantastic, and
1: I think it's exactly right, right?
0: I'm just, and the funny thing is, today it's not just comforting lies; it's also, you know, really edgy slam dunks on the other side. Yeah, right? it's it's getting me angry uh, about <laughs> the, the common cause that we have. Yeah, you know, we we kind of jokingly call it the outrage factory. I think the first thing it can be hard, you know, for some issues, you know, abortion for me. When I look around and I see arguments that people make, it's hard not to get pretty frustrated. You have yeah. to pause and you have to slow down and say, okay, this is a human being, a child of God. Their views are important. What can I learn from them? Um, mm-hmm. so we've always kind of said that that's what we're supposed to do, but I think right now is especially an important time to kind of – I love this phrase that I'm telling from M. W. Mormon, Mormon Women for Ethical Government. talk about waging peace right it's active it's deliberate
1: it's a purpose and I think
0: that's that's important to me that, that feels right
1: yeah well when you say that what comes to my head is uh well kind of what I thought would be a nice uh name for this episode honestly from reading through some of the the answers that you you uh gave to me on those questions was filling the measure of your creation and what that means and one of the thoughts that came to me as you were just talking is the, uh, I don't know who said it, the quote of, they can't be made perfect with us, and we can't be made perfect without them, right? Our, our ancestors. And I think to myself, well, well, that's, just not, that's not just our ancestors. That's clearly, once somebody passes away, they become an ancestor, and when they're alive, they are still important. So this person that we don't know, we can't be made perfect without that person, that individual, and trying to be at odds with them isn't, A, aligning with the becoming one, and two, not helping us to become perfect. And, you know, the, your favorite scripture that you sent in, which is Mosiah 2.17, and I'll just read it really fast. It says, And behold, I tell you these things, that you may learn wisdom, that you may learn that when you're in the service of your fellow beings, you're only in the service of your God. And I think that obviously reflects what you just mentioned with uh, looking at us, you know, each other as children of God. Um, but just kind of go into that a little bit: what that scripture, why that's your favorite, and obviously we see how it pertains. Well, but dive into that. It's kind of like more.
0: a favorite child, right? It's 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 uh, it's hard. Uh, There's so many good ones, but yeah. I decided to go with the, the favorite scripture of mine that was my favorite when I was young and in primary. Um, I, I remember, you know, it was my mom and dad just saying, you know, if you, if you want to serve your heavenly father, the way you do that is by serving your fellow men. And, uh, that's always been really important to me. And I love that idea. It's so simple, so straightforward. Um, if you were in the service of your fellow beings, you're only in the service of your God. Um, I do think that, yeah, that's the pain. I do think that that is a, a huge. It's a shift to start looking at every person that you talk to on Twitter as somebody that um, is endowed with grace and endowed with dignity and and realizing that the work that God would have you do is actually just to treat them as he would. Um, And, you know, that's been my career, right? I I don't Mm -hmm. want to make myself out to be any paragon of virtue, but like, I am driven by a desire to help other people. I think a lot of us are, right? That's not unique and I'm not special for it. And at the same time, that's why I worked in the schools I worked in. That's why I wanted to do, go small, my buddy. Um, that's absolutely a part of, of how I see things. Um, yeah. So I think, I don't know. I, th- I think Mosiah 217 is such a simple and straightforward um, verse of scripture that, I, I guess I would say it was my favorite, and then it just became a part of my life story, and that's where I am.
1: Yeah. Well, on a line from it, yeah, I loved that um, my story is a little bit unique in terms of my, <laughs> not avoidance, but it, what felt like an inability to read for a number of years uh, for some reading difficulties I had, and then I started reading a lot more the last year. Some Some things changed that, which I'm grateful for, and I started analyzing scriptures a lot more, and even in this one, I, it says there at the very beginning, uh, I tell you these things that you may learn wisdom. Okay, so now we're approaching the grounds of wisdom that you may learn that when you're in the service of your fellow beings and you're in the service of your God. So that's wisdom to, to, to learn that. And I think, you know, you and I both online, we've talked about this briefly, people who have pseudo or phantom accounts, whatever you want to call them, uh, where they... It's not their real name, and they like to share some—they like to to go at people, right? And even in situations like that, how you interact with them, you know, that's another human on the other end of things, and as much as you'd want them to to maybe not do what they're doing, interacting with them in a way that, you know, carries to everyone else outside of them, uh, that I guess you're no respect—you know, God's no respecter of persons, so then why do we seem to be? respecters and persons
0: that's right yeah and it, well <laughs> it's especially hard because there is like i don't know it's it's the place that amps you up it gets you mad it, it, it it's built to, to thrive on that stuff and i think it's really good to to remember the identity of the other person um i also think and this is actually in some ways a lot harder you have to remember your own discipleship
1: mm-hmm. what i mean
0: by that is that when people treat you poorly you don't Get to be justified in being unkind, right? And that's hard. That's really hard, man. Like when you look at people who say, "No, no, it's okay that I'm being rude," because they always finish that line with, "The other side did X, Y, and Z,"
1: right? Yes. And
0: it's like, yeah, that's that. Sorry, that's not. That's literally the opposite of turning the other cheek.
1: Yeah. Right. And well,
0: uh, and it's not easy. And 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 by the way, I know I, know I can come off as as you know self righteous online. I don't mean to. But I I have these really strong ideas about how we're supposed to do things, and that means taking a stand, and that means saying, "Hey, here's where I am, and I'm not going to move on that." Um, And I don't think I'm perfect either. Um, You know, I I have friends who have anonymous accounts, and I trust them, and that's between them and the Lord. I know for me, having an an anonymous account would not be right, Um, Right. not in the current context. Yeah. Um, And I think that's. I think it's okay to say that. It's okay to say like, "This is how I view it." I hope that doesn't make you feel judged, but I am judging myself and I want to live up to the very best that I have for myself. Well, and so that's that's kind of how I've tried to take it.
1: yeah, and oh this is such a good conversation because <laughs> I never used to be good at this type of uh, this type of thing i I was very defensive, uh, very reactive to people in in many fronts that's actually. Not anybody would know this who's listening to this, and some of them would, but I, I <laughs> this is just who I became is I, I I started getting these memories in my Facebook feed um, from the last, you know, say, 10, 12 years of my life. And I wasn't happy with a lot of what I read. I kind of read it, and I was like, who the heck is that guy? And what I ended up doing, because I didn't want to go through and have to remove them all, I just deleted my old Facebook. I deleted the one I had for 10 years, and I started a brand new one. And it was so freeing to basically leave this old person and it's a longer conversation that I'll probably have on a different episode, but my story is just i I hadn't discovered something that maybe others had by by that age, and once I discovered it, it really i really woke up to a reality of who who i who I was, and in seeing those i I was pretty disgusted with some of them just the arguments the just different things, and and uh, I think what I was trying to find here is uh, the fruits of the spirit, which is in Galatians. Um, not a scriptorium, but I'm gonna find it. Galatians five, go two through twenty-three. Let's get to Galatians five here. Um, and I think what I what I wanted to read here. So we we hear the scripture: the guilty taketh the truth to be hard, which is in First Nephi sixteen two. And, um, you know, this is obviously, this is a conversation between Nephi and his brothers and he was telling them things and they were saying it was hard things that they were telling and, you know, they, they couldn't understand and what not. And, and it just, it got to him, made him angry. And he said, well, the guilty take it, the truth to be hard. And I thought about this the other day because that's who I used to be. When people told me stuff, if it was You know, it's partially true, but I would try to defend myself. And then I came across this scripture, and I'm curious your thought on this. Um, Let's see, this is Galatians 5.22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, uh, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. And I thought, okay, so even I, if somebody says something to me that I don't like— and I I think there's an episode that you said this best, um, but some people walk around and say uh, the phrase, oh, well, you choose to be angry. And then they subsequently go on to say things and use that as a defense for them being able to say whatever they want. And I go, oh boy, that's that's one path to go down for sure. And I think, okay, you know, for me, it's like, that, that that line of, you choose to be angry, should only apply to me, right? Not being able to say that's that right. to other people, right. right? So I'm just curious your thoughts on that, because I think that in First Nephi, the wicked take it, the truth be hard, okay, okay, that's fine. And then the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. So there's maybe an element, at least looking internally, if I'm getting upset about something, then clearly I don't have the right spirit, Inside me, right, now, or or influencing me, because if I had the right spirit, whatever is said to me, whether it is truthful or not truthful, I wouldn't let it get me worked up because I have the right spirit that is influencing my life. So, curious your thoughts on those.
0: Oh man, so many. Th- I mean, you you brought up so many good points.
1: Um, I, I just want to start by saying that
0: the, the Facebook thing, right? I can't think of a better analogy for repentance than getting rid of an old Facebook and getting a new one. Yeah. Right. It's uh, like, tough, I, right? It's, I think that's a really good, the old man dies and then a the new one is born, right? Like it's, it's, it's straight into baptism and the doctrine there. Um, now I will say, um, I think eventually it's not about the old man dying. It's about just trying a little bit better each day. I take a certain amount of pride in my Facebook page because I try really hard to build a place where people can disagree and people can be civil and we can discuss stuff and it's mostly fun and not angsty and complaining and it's hard and I mess up sometimes, but like, I think that that's, you know, it's, it's very much a symbol of our lives that we, we get better over time and we're not perfect, but if we're striving, we can do some, some really cool stuff. Yeah. Um, you mentioned choosing to be offended. This is something that I've, I've started trying to articulate and I, I may get it wrong, but the way that it strikes me is, you need to hold a higher bar for yourself than for anybody else. And you need to cut other people slack. Yeah. You, you need to cut yourself slack, too. But that doesn't mean lowering expectations. It means giving yourself grace. Yes. Right? I think when you are indulgent, that's when it becomes a problem. When you say, oh, well, they're just choosing to be angry. I'm sure I didn't offend them. Um, that's actually a pretty big... Okay. Oops. Um, that's when you start to have problems, right? When you start to say, well, oh, just go find it. Go find it really quick. Um when you when you start saying, you know, I, I love Elder Bedner's talk on, on choosing to be offended. But if a bishop or state president says lots and lots of dumb things in rude ways and people get offended, that's not because they're choosing to be. That you know, that, that might actually be because the lack of tact of the of the priesthood leader, right? Right. Um and I think the way that I, I, I figure that out is I try very hard to be as thoughtful and as careful as I can. And I ask people explicitly to be as kind and patient with me as they can um, because I'm going to need it. I'm going to need their grace and I'm going to say right. something wrong, and I'm, but I'm trying. Um, and at the same time, if somebody does take something in a way that I think is wrong, I try and remember, hey, I felt, I felt mad at somebody about something they said before. Yeah. Cut them some slack. Um, but what I do think we need a little bit more of when I'm looking inward is, um, you know, all of the fruits of the spirit need to apply to ourselves as well. When, when we're, um, I think that we, we can be a little perfectionistic and instead of focusing on try your best, even though you will fail, it is, if you have at any time ever failed, you were a disaster and a train wreck of a human. (laughs) Right. Right. And I think the way that you get around that is by saying, try your best. And when you make a mistake, trust the atonement, try and do better and then move forward in faith. Right. And that's scary. Because it it isn't fixed, the Lord doesn't swoop in and 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 remove the sin from off the face of the earth. It's still there. Right. But you know that over time, you and that's hard, right? The effects are still there. Yeah. You feel it. You can see it. But, but I think I think when when I say give yourself grace, that's what I mean.
1: Yeah. I mean,
0: know that you're still trying your best. What I don't think I mean is cut yourself slack while you hold others to a really high bar.
1: Right. Um,
0: <laughs> right. If, if anything, I would say the opposite. Cut yourself. Um, you know. Push yourself to be the best you possibly can, knowing you're still going to make some mistakes, um, yeah. and then and then go from there. So, and yeah, I, th- I, th- I I loved all your thoughts. I, I have more thoughts on on the, the the scripture of the spirit, but they're not as related and they're mostly incoherent. So, <laughs>
1: well, I keep think going. the point of a lot of it, though, in terms of this whole filling the measure of your creation, just l- let's bring that up just just briefly. But I but I asked you, um, you know, what one of uh, what was one of your biggest spiritual hurdles? Oh, excuse me, that's not the right one. My bad. Here it is here. What spiritual ke- question should teenagers be asking themselves on a regular basis? And you said, am I living up to my privileges? Am I filling the measure of my creation? And I think this goes in line with that because when we, I, I've read a few talks uh, trying to get prepared for this and <clears throat> based upon your, your answers. And I think what I read was, uh, it was a story about a sacrament cup and, uh, The sacrament cup had some holes in it, and slowly over time it started leaking and wasn't filling the measure of its creation anymore. But on the other side of the coin there, you know, there's this thing that uh, maybe is a little bit broken at first, then on the other side is there's something that gets broken as, as their life progresses. Something happens to them that causes them to start saying, why even try? Why even try to fill the measure of my creation? Because every time I try, something happens and it breaks. And here I am, and in talking about this and getting offended and stuff, and you talk about grace, the ability for somebody to be able to look forward more and less backward. Um, I have I got, certainly think
0: that's part of it. I, I mean, in, in, a, in a very real way, part of what's freeing about this measure of creation Um you know, it's kind of that you see in the, in the self-help section in, in, in the bookstore. And if you're not careful, it can, it can lead you down some bad paths. Um, but it's living your best now. It's it's God put you here for a purpose, a reason. You know, part of what I think is really empowering about that is you look around and realize a lot of people kind of default to a just make it through a kind of view of life, but not alive, but sinless. Just try mm. really hard not to make big, And I don't think that's a fundamentally good work. I think think it breeds perfectionism. I think it can breed um, a lack of grace to yourself and others. Um, I don't think that's the purpose of life. And I think Elder Bednar's talk on the atonement uh, when he was the president of BYU um, is perhaps one of the best ones um, where he talks about the, the Lord desires to live in us through the atonement and he desires to make of us saints. Right. right. Not just to to redeem us from sin, but to make of us things. So what is the measure of our creation? Well, historically, we, we always we always kind of meant it in code just to mean have kids. And it's very obvious that it's so much more than that. Right. right. It, it, it's that we have a purpose and a mission. And there's a reason why we are here. Um, and the reason why I, I said that about teenagers is, um, you know, I think you can live the examined life. I mean, let's be, let's be clear. Kids should be kids. Let them have fun. You know, a teenager doesn't need to be wrestling with big philosophical questions.
1: Right. And at
0: the same time, realizing that you have a unique gift, that there are things that you can do that no one else can, that there are things you have that you can live up to. Man, that's powerful stuff. And right now you see the opposite among teenagers, right? At, right. Least, at least when I was teaching middle school, it was nihilism and nothing matters and everything's stupid. And, and, and <laughs> my parents are dumb and, you know, cynicism and stuff. I actually think that the way to fight that is to say, no, actually, life is full of meaning and richness and you have a role to play, right? You are important and you can do important things. Mm-hmm. Um, and also like part of that as a teenager is not happening right now. Part of it is go to school, work hard, get good grades because your life has a purpose. And right now is a preparatory season where you're building toward, you know, the next 80 years of your life. And that's okay. Okay. Right? Don't try to accomplish it all at once, but recognize that the, the teenage years are an investment in the rest of your life. And in some ways, it's super unfair, right? Who thought it was a good idea to decide somebody's entire life based on how they acted as a teenager in school? And yet that's basically what GPAs do. Right? <laughs> right? Yeah, like, yeah. That's
1: kind of crazy. Oh, I'm, pro- right? I, I, I'm victim of that one for sure. I think a lot of people are,
0: right? And it takes an, an unusual amount of discipline to recognize, oh my goodness, I'm only going to be 15 once. And right. as it turns out, my grades when I'm 15 are going to impact the rest of my life. Um, but it's just, it's just the reality of it's the, the system we have. It's where we are. Right. Um, and so I, I think to me, that's part of, okay, I have a purpose. I was placed here for a purpose. What is that purpose? Exploring your talents and your gifts and, and trying to develop more. Um, I, I really do think that, you know, it's not the only one that I would counsel a teenager, but it's one that I would ask them to really meditate on frequently. And by the way, I think there's a reason why we, we encourage our our young folks to get patriarchal blessings when they, yes. Right. Because it gives you that reason and context and a narrative and a story. And here's what your life could be. If you live up to it, I think that's beautiful and
1: sacred and, and revelatory. Absolutely. And you know, in, in that what's, um, I said what should they ask themselves on a regular basis and I think you're right one of the you know lines from from my patriarchal blessing is to read it often and it's like well duh but I think that <laughs> some people including myself obviously throughout the years it didn't take that to heart and didn't actually review it uh, not just read it but but try to analyze it and 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 understand okay am I doing this thing that I'm being asked to do and, like you said, here, am I feeling the measure of my creation? Am I doing all that I can do? What, Where in my life am I maybe going astray a little bit? And, you know, trying to make it simplistic, I guess, for a teenager, um, for all of us really, is having just a question that you asked yourself every night, every week, but often enough to where you can actually reflect on your life and remember some of the things that did happen or didn't happen and say, hmm, now why did that happen? And, and, and make those adjustments. And I, I looked up this scripture. It's Matthew 5.20, and I, I really like the Sermon on the Mount um, because I think it reflects, well, it reflects what uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ is and what we're intended to do, but one of them in here, and, and 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 I don't know, I don't know Greek, I don't know any of these, so I don't know the the, the specifics of all these, but it says here, the, For I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, ye, ye shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. And I guess when I read that uh, a while ago, I just thought, well, okay. So unless it exceeds the righteousness, so the scribes and the Pharisees they they were they were righteous, but but there's something more they could have been doing. And obviously, we see that as we go through the the rest of it, the letter of the law versus spirit, and what the law was given for, and then Christ takes us a little bit further. And I think that's what these questions should should hopefully do over time is why are we doing this? Or why am I doing that? Or how can I stop doing this thing or that thing? Not in to say, like, you know, we focus on trying to exceed the righteousness of others, but we try to exceed the righteousness of ourselves yesterday and the day before that. And I think those questions are what are foundational to helping review and analyze and then make adjustments. That's really what we should say with the whole grace thing, which I, I love you brought up, is... This is a, a making adjustments going forward. If you falter again, analyze it, make the adjustment, and keep doing that over time.
0: I think that's right. And I think uh, um, she went to church. She'll be back in a minute. Yeah, but I'll get it for you in a minute. Just wait until I'm done. Okay? I will get it for you in a minute. Don't get it quite yet. Come here, buddy. You're okay. You're okay. Um. You know, it, it's interesting to me because so the scribes and the Pharisees to me, and I wasn't there, so maybe I'm, yeah, I'm not a scriptorian. I don't know. It seems to me that they were so obsessed with coming off as righteous that they had forgotten being actually righteous. Right. Right. They had forgotten that actually, it's and and in fact that the whole Law and Prophets come down to serving each other. Right. So if you if you focus on this, if you're going to sit on my lap, you have to be very quiet, okay? Um, one of the things that that I think is really interesting is it's it's almost in some ways like you're not being quiet at all, are you? You need to be very quiet, okay? Um, it's almost like capitalism, which at first strikes people as very selfish in the way that it's constructed. Mm-hmm. Stop, please. And if you if you can't look beyond that to what it actually asks people to do, you can very quickly start to say, oh well, that's just a, that's just a bad system. Be very wary of. People who say, Oh, you have a mission in life and it's important and, and they're kind of appealing to your yeah. sense of grandeur, right? And, and and it can be very dangerous because it, it can turn into this ego egotism thing. Right. At the same time, if you do it in the way that the Lord asks you to. it's If you do it in the way that the Lord would have you do it, what you can find really quickly is the way you fulfill the measure of your creation is by serving others. Right. It's by giving yourself to commitments and covenants to, you know, family and other things like that.
1: Right. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. I think, well, just going through the rest of that, we, we read a lot more about, you know, uh, well, going over to Mosiah, but mourning with those that mourn and comforting those that stand in need of comfort. And, you know, well, then we go to Christ talking about what the first and second greatest commandments are. The first is to love God with all your heart, and then the second is to love your neighbor as yourself. And then it says, you know, herein lie, hangs the, the, the law and the prophets. It's like all of it comes down to those two things. And I think in society, uh, for sure, uh, some, <coughs> something that I think I did... Uh, periodically, more often than I wish I would have, but is switching those and having those be backwards. And, you know, not being able to love people fully unless you're within God and, and loving from that space. And then there's a different perspective that comes. You get His love and you you receive, you know, kind of His eyes and how He looks at other people. And uh, I just think that it's really helpful. It has been helpful for me, uh, at least definitely over the last little bit in being able to, well, fill what this scripture says, which is, you know, that's what it comes down to. And that's, I think, what they were losing is they were losing sight of, they were losing sight of, um, well, like you said, their their relationship with, with God and with each other. And it was more of a, look what I did. Look what I've done. I've lived this law. I've done this. And, and uh, you know, you've kept the law for sure, but do you remember the reason the law was given? I think that's kinda of getting lost a little bit. And I think that happens today, and especially I think I've I've fallen victim to that as much as anyone has. Sorry, I'm trying I'm trying to calm down a, a fussy
0: baby here. Oh you're Somebody just Somebody has fine. reached the witching hour. So I, I I'm on mute trying not to interrupt, but I I, I love your thought. I'm just trying to Yeah, no.
1: Um, well, one of the things that um, you mentioned here was something that you struggled with. Uh, speaking of struggles in our lives, po- positivism, and um, you said, "I realize the proof takes all the fun away," and I realize the proof takes all the fun away. It's about how you live, not merely what you know. So, go go on that a little bit, because one, I kind of know where you're going with po- positivism, but how how did that how did you struggle with that?
0: So, I, I would say that I'm still in the play I, 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 love the enlightenment. I love rationality. I love being able to look out at the world and say that God has built it such that we can understand it through our five senses that God built the universe to be understandable. And I think uh, that's a really beautiful idea. Yeah. And yet there are some things that you cannot get full. Nope. Please don't do that. You can do it on the table like this. You can do it right there. It's just not over here. Um, there are some things that we don't get to have um, made fully known to us
1: and it drives me crazy
0: right (laughs) like I I want to to see those things and know those things for myself and 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 feel them and touch them and and see them and hear them Um, and that can be hard for me Um, I think you know I'm in that sense I'm um, a friend of mine calls it. Um, we're all Greek, and we didn't. We're all Greeks, and we didn't know it. The ancient Greeks were very concerned with knowledge and proofs and 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 demonstration. Right. In comparison to the ancient Hebrews, who were more about becoming something. Right. And I think both are important. I'm not suggesting anything different. But what I would say is that I think one side of me has developed a little bit more than the other. I'm a little bit more academic. I like to think through things. I like to test things. I'm very skeptical generally. If Somebody makes a claim. The chances are good that I'm going to default. No. It's okay. Can you pick it up for him, please, Jonathan? Jonathan, can you pick that up for him, please? Um, when people make a claim, my default is to not. Right? If, right. Somebody, if somebody says something, I'm, I'm going to say, great, where's the evidence? Instead <laughs> of, okay, I'll trust you until I hear otherwise. It's, okay, I'm not going to trust you until I hear
1: otherwise. Right.
0: And that is probably really good in a lot of cases. And when it comes to spiritual matters, that is not what I would call a believing heart. Mm. That is not what I would call somebody who is, um, is easily taught by the, by the spirit. Um, and so, and by the way, I don't apologize for some of this, right? Some of it I do. Some of it is, is a weakness. Some of it is not. Some of it I think is really good to be really careful and to think well. And all of that I think is, is, is beautiful and important. Um, as, as I put it differently, um, I don't, I've never been asked to turn off my brain before walking into church. I am a member of the church because I believe the evidence is on its side. Right. And yet I also think that there is such a thing as being more worried about doubting Thomas, or be, being a little bit more Thomas than a little bit more Peter. Right. right? Um, having to see for yourself. Um, and I think that that's, that's a worthy thing to consider for me.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: so that's... no, I, I, will say, so I, I mentioned this one to you, um, I've video games with cheat codes on before and it's just not as much fun. (laughs) Right. If there's a veil and there's a there's a there's a reason why we can't remember everything, it makes sense to me that if we knew all the answers, all of a sudden the game is up. Right. It makes a lot less sense. Right. Yeah. And and to me, that actually makes a lot of sense in terms of what the real purpose of life is, is not to come to the right level of orthodoxy, it's to come to the right level of orthopraxy. Right. What are we doing with our lives? Who are we becoming? Not just what do we know? Right. This isn't a set of, of scientific proofs. This yes. is a mission in which we are meant to become something better than we are.
1: Absolutely. And that feels right to me. Oh, it's so, 100% right to me because, you know, I, I was I was talking to my grandpa the other day and I said, you know, it's fun to go and explore how some things happen, like let's say evolution. But at the end of the day, when I go read The Simple Truths and About Becoming and and and... and where God has given us and what He has given us and how none of that none of that will even matter, unless your life is being lived the way that you're being asked to live it, right? Like, and Elder Bednar said in a, uh, I think the last fireside that he did, he said somebody was was talking about how their um, their wife, I think he was a he was probably 24, his his wife had just died to cancer, and um, Elder Bednar was responding to, you know, how how do you know if God's there and all these different things, why that happened. And, and his response, although it was, uh, you know, probably, it was definitely the right thing to hear. Uh, it was just probably, you know, I don't, I don't think there's ever an answer that will, that will really help solidify somebody, you know, comfort in someone. But I think it did a pretty good job. And he said, he said, you know, I don't know but I know that God knows. And because I know that God knows, I'm okay not knowing right now. And uh, he was relating that to a story of, uh, of somebody he had lost. And and I loved that because, you know, I have my own theories and thoughts on evolution in relationship to gospel and, and you know, how God, you know, there's a lot of things where we don't know and how would it be faith if, if we knew exactly how evolution was involved with God. And so there's these little things that we don't understand But because we have enough knowledge in this life given to us to know that God ultimately is there and that he knows all things, and therefore if he knows all things, then he knows the story of all things, evolution, whatever you want. And because he hasn't revealed it, well, then I'm okay not knowing right now. And like you said, it kind of gives a little bit of... It, it, it would take the fun away to know all these things. And not only that, it would take faith away. Uh, what would be the purpose of faith? at well, that Well, I,
0: I think that's right. I, I need to go and put kids in bed, but I'll, I'll just kind of end up on this thought real quick. Um, if that's okay. Yes. Um, a number of people have started saying, you know, well, religion is just a way to pass along values and philosophy from one generation to another. And that's kind of how they, that's kind of how they frame religion. Um, Stevie, what's wrong? Come here, buddy. Come here. what happened? Here, I'm sorry. There's a there's a lot of children crying tonight. I did oh, not intend that. You're okay. So, uh, I've heard a number of people say, you know, religion is just a way to pass along values from one generation to the next, and philosophies and mindsets, and, and that's all it is. And so, why do you still believe it? which my answer is kind of twofold. First, because I've tried not believing it and I can't let myself. And maybe that's cognitive dissonance. I don't think it is. I think there's something more. But there's a second and much more obvious reason. And that is because um, I think it is at least a way of passing along values from generation to generation. Yeah. And at least a way of telling us things that we need to live up to. And I don't see any reason why people will dismiss it and then stop living up to all of those values that have been passed along from generation to generation. Right. When I look at it, Like, I I sincerely believe that God is real, that Joseph Smith was his prophet, that the church today is authorized by Jesus Christ himself. I believe in all of that. I have as strong a testimony, I think, as most people would assume I have, right? I'm I'm not trying to dissemble here. And at the same time, if it turns out that it's all a hoax and a lie, I feel very confident that I have done the best that I could with what I have and that I am happier because of it and that my family will be better because of it. And that feels okay to me, yeah, right. and once i once I realized that, i I started going, then at this point, it's just a question of keeping my eyes open trying the best I can and moving forward from there. yeah, and that, that isn't meant to be a skeptical thought. I hope it doesn't come off that way. to me, it's much more of a reassuring thought of whether it doesn't matter where you end up going. there's a certain way to live that brings people happiness. right I want that path, yeah, and it sure seems like this is it. yeah, um it has been for me. My personal experience has been that the more that i align myself with what, what we, we call the gospel and the
1: scriptures, the happier I am. Right. That's important to me. Well, um, so just briefly closing on that, um, just my final thought on it is, um, you know, whether you agree or disagree with God being real or, or, or Christ or, or anything else of the, of these, you know, within this, uh, religious space, let's call it, um, spirituality, there is a utility to the gospel of Jesus Christ, and a utility that transcends race, gender, all of that. And that utility, when applied into a society, makes that society thrive. So at the end of the day, like you said, the minimum is that that gospel has a utility to it, that if we live, well, it's it's going to be the best for everyone. Um, and when we don't, well, we kind of see how that's going right now.
0: Well, and it's it's always awkward when it's like, <laughs> when other people don't live up to it, right?
1: And they're like, oh, well, it's just a bunch of mumbo jumbo. And
0: it's like, well, you said your words were that this is just a way to pass along values that help societies function. Right? So maybe it is the case that 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 you think you are smarter than all of those traditions and all of that. Fine. Okay. Whatever. I don't think I am. But even still, I also happen to think that when you look across all of the things that I'm asked to do and expected to do, I see a lot more things where I go, man, we really got that one right. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Isn't it crazy that we got that other one over over there right? Isn't it crazy that, that you know, I, I think that is, if anything, more an evidence of the truth of the gospel yeah. than an evidence that it is not true.
1: Yes, absolutely. Um, and I feel pretty good about that. Well, a lot more that can be said on that topic, but uh, I thank you for your time so far, and... um you know, wish you well in, in, in helping the kids get to bed and, and, uh, (laughs) we'll definitely keep. Of course, now they've just gotten quiet and happy, but I appreciate the well wishes anyway. That's how it works. Well, we'll, I'll try to keep in contact and we'll see if we can do this again in the future and kind of pick up where we left off. That That sounds great. God bless. Have a good night. Thanks, my friend. You as well. Good night.